Hello, hello, hello. Um, I forgot to write the title of this. That probably wasn't helpful, was it? <laughs> Wait, does it say somewhere that I can write the title? No. Anyway, uh, today I'm going to be speaking with Michelle and I'm just waiting for her to hop online. Invite. We are going to be talking to you about how to lose fat without tracking your calories. Yay, that was easy. See? Hello. <laughs> how are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you good. Thank you. Just turn it awesome. Um, So just so anyone hopping on to watch this, we are in completely different time zones. Michelle is in New Zealand. Are you in like central New Zealand or are you? Yeah, out? I'm in the North Island. Um, okay. Just about in Hamilton, which is in the middle of the North Island. So just south of the Auckland so not too far away yeah amazing and obviously I'm in the UK so she's at 8 p.m I'm at uh, 8 a.m which is ace that we've just managed to like get this time nailed yeah exactly. um, <laughs> yeah so let's just get down to it so today we are going to be talking to you about fat loss without tracking your calories and I know it's something Michelle is extremely passionate about and that's kind of why I wanted to get get you on really just to talk to you about it and how you um, sort of d deal with it with your clients and then we can kind of discuss topics. So let's start from the top. Let's imagine you've got a client that's just started with you. They want to lose fat. They don't want to track their calories. Where do you even begin? Um, with any client, I like to start with what I call a diet audit. So what I do is I use an app called See How You Eat. So it's a photo food diary. Um, super simple. So I just get them to take photos. Or sometimes I'll use just a food diary where they write it down. Um, of everything they eat in a day. Um, anything that passes their lips. So snacks, lips, bites, taste, whatever it is. I don't care what it is. I just want to see what it is and the times that they eat. And that's how I'll start. And I usually like them to do that for at least a week, or about a week, uh, five days to a week, um, particularly at the weekends as well, because obviously that um, can be quite different for some people. And then I can just get a gauge just by looking at that um, and them as well, actually being aware of what they're actually having is a great place to um, get started with, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find, because sometimes I find this with clients, I'll say that to them, can you take photos this week or can you track your calories this week? And what they'll then do is present something to me that isn't absolutely what they normally would eat, i.e. they've just started eating a little bit healthier. Do you ever find that? Um, not too bad. Like The thing is I find with most of my clients most people know what is healthier in that. And it's not that they have bad diets. It's sometimes just what it's made up of or, you know, it's not substantial enough. So trying to have a bit bigger meals so that they're not snacking as much or the time that they're starting to eat and things like that. Um, so I'm pretty lucky that uh, I always will say to them, there is absolutely no judgment whatsoever because all I need is honesty because if you're not honest, then it's very hard for me to help, you know. So we always make sure that that's really clear at the start. And I've been very lucky that, um, you know, sometimes people will say, oh, gosh, once I've seen it or I'm a little bit embarrassed. But the fact is they've done it. And that's amazing as far as I'm concerned, because that's the only way you can move forward. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree on the no judgment. One of my clients said to me this week, actually, she messaged me and she said, do you know what? If I ate 10 donuts for breakfast, I would feel no shame in telling you. And I was like, that's amazing because that's the yeah. kind of relationship you need to have with me. So, okay. Excellent. So when you, when you look at somebody's food diary, tell me what is it you are looking out for the certain, like you said, times that are people eating, maybe habits, picking, what are you kind of looking for in terms of patterns of people's eating? Um, I'm looking, I'm looking to see like, in their main meals, what that's kind of structured like. So I can see that if, you know, a lot of clients I find particularly are not having enough protein in their meals. So that's one big thing I'm looking for. Um, and often a lot to the time of the first meal or all the size of that first meal, because a lot of my clients are sort of, you know, busy mums or, you know, fathers, whatever, like myself that they sort of um, either don't have that, don't have breakfast, which is fine. There's nothing magical about breakfast. But sometimes it's the fact that they've just gone too long before they eat that first meal or that first meal they have is a snack size and then it's not enough. And then so that not long after they're hungry again. So if we can start to get some more decent meals, that the meals are decent and structured, it'll keep them going for longer. And sometimes it's like if they're not, say, eating till... 12 and then they find that they're really ravenous by then then i might just say can we just pull that forward so that you're having something no later than say 10 or 11 so i'm not saying eat as soon as you get up or eat at eight or seven or anything it's still to work in with their life but it's just bringing it forward and i'll say make sure that first one is of a decent size yeah. so that you're actually fueling yourself yeah yeah and absolutely. yeah main things to having making sure it's got some sort of protein in there is a big thing as well yeah yeah that's great yeah and i think also with breakfast i don't know about you but i find a lot of people don't tend to eat breakfast because they've almost told themselves that they shouldn't and then that becomes a rule and that then leads to them ignoring hunger signals which then can you know lead to ignoring more hunger signals throughout the day and then never really having an idea of their hunger and their fullness. So Absolutely. I think, yeah, I think sometimes actually people will, you know, people, breakfast isn't that important. And I've got some clients that don't eat breakfast and I massively never eat, never used to eat breakfast, at least until about 10, 11. And it wasn't mm. until I actually started to work on my relationship with food, which I started to then question, was I actually hungry and just ignoring it and drinking coffee or, mm. um, did I just not like breakfast? And I was ignoring my hunger. And now, especially being pregnant as well, but now I wake up and I'm hungry straight away. So to me, yeah. that shows to me that I was ignoring my hunger signals. And now I've got a much better relationship with food myself, personally, yeah. with my hunger and my fullness, because I now understand not to ignore those hunger signals. Yeah. And that's one big thing I do bring in as time goes on is actually, you know, the hunger scale. And starting to be in tune with that because I think people are uh, sort of it's more being dictated by external things instead of their own internal cues, you know. So it's like they've they have lost completely and they they don't really know where they're sitting at as far as have they actually got physical stomach hunger or is it there's no physical stomach hunger and is it head hunger and then we can differentiate too what's happening there and then that team came up with strategies to come and place whether if it's physical hunger okay is it what the meal's made up of is it that you've let it go too long that kind of thing 
or if it's head hunger, then what are you trying to um, sort of change your state on? Is it that you're stressed or bored or tired and you're turning to food to manage that emotion as well? So when it's really important to teach clients that about the difference between a physical hunger and then our head hunger as well. Yeah, and I'm so glad you brought that up about the hunger scale because something I often say to clients that, you know, some clients I will start off with calorie tracking and then I'll say to them, you know, gradually we'll, we will get to a point where we will phase this out. And then there's that little bit of fear, that little bit of fear of if I let go of calorie tracking, what's going to happen? And I always say to them, that is exactly why I need you to move away from calorie tracking because essentially calorie tracking is just a band-aid. And like you said, you can completely ignore hunger and fullness signals when you've got calories to just go on, you know? And I've had lots of times where I've had clients, you know, say to me, oh, I just ate that chocolate bar because I had 200 calories left. And I'm like, well, the issue with that, I mean, it's fine that you've had chocolate, there's nothing wrong with chocolate. The The issue with that is once we move away from calorie tracking, how do you gauge whether you eat that chocolate or not? you need to tap into your hunger and fullness cues, you know? And am I just eating that because I'm bored or am I just eating that because it's there? That's the emotional fitness, I kind of call it, that we really need to develop. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where also I think that anything that you do, whether it is, whether you do track calories, because that is fine for some people, I will do that with some people, um, or whether you use a diary or another sort of method, um, bringing in mindfulness as well while you're actually eating because I think if we just do all these things without using any of those other parts of hunger scales, mindful eating techniques, that's what you kind of need to have to be able to maintain later so that you can just carry on because a diet is a way of life, right? That's what it means. So at some point, what you're doing, it needs to be your way of life. And you don't want your way of life to be tracking everything or taking a photo every time you eat. You need to have the confidence to continue to be able to do that on your own. Yeah. And how do you, so we let's just cover the basics that we've done. So say somebody has just come to you for fat loss, they don't want to track their calories. The first thing, you know, we might do is get you to take photos of your food. The next is kind of assess to look at like the new nutri- the nutrients in that meal or macronutrients in that meal and you know educate around those. Then talking about hunger and fullness and mindfulness. Obviously those are like four massive things that I've just briefly covered. But mm. what do you think for most people, where is the biggest challenge, do you think, when it comes to you know, starting starting from scratch and not tracking calories and just going in with more of a mindful approach. Where do you think most people struggle? Um, I think because a lot of people, like, they sort of feel like they need to know they're having the exact amount or whatever, you know, like if Weight Watchers, they count points or um, track calories, it's numbers and all that sort of stuff. So they feel like they uh, don't have, like, maybe a, a thing to work to, like a you know, a level. So what I will actually do to give them something to work to alongside that is I call it, and I actually learned this from Jordan Syatt. I'm not sure if you've heard, you would have heard of Jordan Syatt. Yeah. The three plates and, um, well, he calls it three plates, two snacks, but I call it three plates, two palms. Um, and so when that sort of gives them like a framework and a structure to work around. So that gives them something to kind of achieve 
each day. So, and what I like about it is that it's flexible and by using them and tapping into their hunger and all those sorts of things, they will start to learn that not every day they'll need three plates and two palms. Some days they will feel fine on three plates. Some days they might have, like for a female, if it's around her menstrual cycle and they're a bit hungrier, they're going to have three plates, two palms. So it gives them that flexibility to actually work towards their hunger, but have a bit of a structure, but also feel like they've got a bit of a, a limit, you know, like a bit of a, not a, a kind of a rule, I suppose, but more of a structure. So it's, it's almost like giving them a target for calories. I've given them a target, but it has flexibility within that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I find that works really well. And yeah, then they don't, I, if they have a day of they have three plates, but then another day they end up having three plates, two palms, then they don't feel like they've ruined anything because it's part of the framework. So, yeah, yeah it's good. Yeah, I have something similar. I call it the balanced food approach, and it's three meals. And I say one to, one to three snacks, depending on somebody's activity levels. And sometimes I might say four meals for you know somebody who's doing yep. 14,000 steps a day and a workout on top of that. I, I do think somebody might actually benefit from having you know a fourth meal. And that would, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be like a roast dinner or something like that. It might look yep. like a snack, but it's actually a meal. Um, so yeah, well, I that's that, right. I you can also put the two snacks together, can't you? You can have two snacks at one go. You know, that's why it, it needs to be a bit of common sense and flexibility with that. Um, and then it can also someone can decide, like they might be someone that has a breakfast, doesn't feel like they need anything between lunch, but they need something in the afternoon for dinner, or they might like to have that something sweet after dinner then they can use that as one of their snacks. They can incorporate that in there. So it's about making it fit in with their life, not not telling them this is when you have to eat and this is what you're, you know, because yeah. it's got to work for them. Yeah. Yeah. And how would you go about approaching um, sort of educating a client around, let's say I'd eaten my three meals and my two palms, and I came to you and I said, do you know what, you know, on the hunger scale, I'm still, I'm still feeling quite ravenous eating all of that. You look at my food and actually you can see maybe she isn't eating, you know, starchy carbohydrates and things like that. How would you approach somebody who is saying, listen, I'm telling, you know, I'm doing what you're, t you're telling me to do, but I'm still hungry. How do you approach that? Um, so I teach them how to build their meals. So exactly like you say, like by me being able to look at a food diary, I can look at it and say, okay, I can see there's not perhaps enough vegetable, veg on there, you know, for fibre to help to fill you up. Um, double your protein that you've got on that plate or add in some carbs or some fats. So by looking at that, and I, you know, I do have a series of videos where I actually show how to build plates for breakfast, lunches, and dinner. So they can actually think, oh, okay, so if I'm having cereal, this is kind of what it looks like on a plate, but it'll be in a bowl, you know, just so they can visually start to see and build and then it just becomes natural or if it's a sandwich, how to really fill that up and make it substantial for them instead of it just being, I don't know, a bit of marmite on bread or something like that. It's not going to get them far. <laughs> Yeah. sometimes but I won't get you there <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely and this is why I love <clears throat> this approach with food you know I do I have calorie tracked and some clients love calorie tracking and that's fine but with this approach you know I really love the fact that you you have a lot of autonomy and I can come to a meal now and feel 
like actually I, I know I don't need starchy carbs in this meal and actually I want some extra fat so I might switch out my carb portion for my fat portion you know the other day I had salmon and olives and hummus and and salad and I was like there's no carbs on here but I don't feel like I need it and you know you only get to that you know people always say I don't know what to eat and the reason why you don't know what to eat is one that you haven't had the you know the right education on what nutrients are really good for you what's going to fill you up and then you have to go through a process of like you say you know having your three meals and your two parts and then you get to the point where you're like right each day I'm going to feel different. I now have some practice of doing that. That's where I can add in this kind of, you know, flexible approach. Like this morning, I've just got up and had two slices of toast because I thought if I, if I do this and I've not eaten breakfast and I don't eat fancy porridge right now, I'm going to yeah. be starving. So I know, okay, I've, you know, I've had carbs for breakfast, essentially. I know that, you know, my lunch is probably going to be higher in protein and more veggies and more salad. But I've only got to that point with experience so yes. I don't know where I'm going with this but what I'm trying to say to the listener is this approach takes some time and I think you have to be very open to not having it straight you know not having everything together straight away do you agree yeah I, I agree and it doesn't need to be perfect eh? you know like geez you and I could say our diets aren't perfect for sure like no one's perfect and who wants to be perfect? You know, you've got to live your life, but it's what you do the majority of the time and the consistency with it is that's what counts. You know, if you have a day where you don't do any of it, it's one day, you know, like it's literally one day, um, but you can soon get back into it the next day and the next meal, you know, like it doesn't have to blow anything out. And it's just really helpful. I think when you go to eat out as well, because then you, can be more relaxed, go and enjoy a meal um, and not stress about stress about it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. <clears throat> Talking about going out for meals, should we kind of cover weekends and how weekends be, can be quite challenging for people? Um, how would you, let's say somebody says to you, do you know what, I've got a hen do on Saturday then a family meal on Sunday. And I'm really worried that I'm not going to be able to get, you know, my three plates and my two uh, palms in. How would you kind of approach that, do you think? Um, at the end of the day, like, I will always say to someone, I think the trouble with weekends is that the routine goes out the window a bit, you know, which, which is nice to have a break from routine. But people often throw the whole thing out the window or they'll have one meal and think oh I've screwed it now so there's no point I'll wait again till Monday which there's no point in that either that doesn't even really make sense so I always say to someone don't go hungry to something like that um, and with the plate and palm like this way you can go you could have a really decent breakfast a really decent lunch and you could go out and use two palms and a plate for your meal out and put what you want on it and don't even don't even at that meal worry about what's on it you might choose to but if you can't control it or you feel like something that doesn't tick all those boxes just go and enjoy it and start you know like you just get back on it's not going to do the damage people think it does but I think just still having a little bit of structure to meal times and not doing that whole same thing, like when you have your breakfast, sure, it might not be the normal time you have it during the week, 
but make sure it's something decent. Have something decent again. You know, maybe lunch is not going to be till two that day, but make sure it's decent. Just, yeah, and be be prepared, you know. Like I'll say, sometimes, you know, we know that the weekend is 47% of our week, right? So also make sure you have the food in your house for that other 47%, even if it means that you're going out for dinner and that. Perhaps you have the, make sure you've got the food in the house for other meals in the weekend. Don't just shop for that 50-something percent of your week. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's really key. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And um, I think what can happen with a lot of people with weekends is they overthink it. And then they go in with a perfectionist mindset. And because they've overthought it, they want perfection. That then leads to self-sabotage. And they're like, oh, fuck it. You know, I can't, I can't achieve my plates. I can't achieve this. I can't be mindful. I can't be... And all of a sudden, yeah, you know, it's given them permission to completely self-sabotage and they've gone off track as such. Mm. But I think if you go in, like you very much said, with the approach of, okay, this is one weekend. Not all my weekends look like this. I, you know, I've got my kitchen stocked up so that when I get back from this Hindu, when I'm feeling a bit hungover, yes. I've got some healthy, healthy options to choose from. I know what I need to do. And yes. really just embracing the fact that like life is a bit messy sometimes. And it's not about, yes. you know, I would say to clients, like, I don't expect you to eat the same on the weekend as you do in the week ever, because no. life isn't like that. You know, we all have social lives yes. and we don't want, like, if somebody comes to me and is like, right, I've not eaten chocolate this weekend, I've eaten chicken and broccoli and rice, I'm like, no, that's not what yeah. we're trying to achieve here at all, you know, I don't want you to do that, I want you to go out and have brunch with your friends and that sort of thing, and be able to achieve these social experiences without the fear, the perfectionist mindset, overthinking things and really embracing it. One thing I wanted to talk to you about, actually, because this is an issue I see crop up with uh, sometimes my clients, is without tracking calories, they panic that they're going to pick on food. And then they're picking on all of these calories, essentially, that then add up. So they're then not going to lose weight. So how would you approach the, the picker, the somebody who eats the three meals and the two palms, but picks off their kids' plates and picks when they're bored? How do you approach that? Um, this is where I really like introducing the mindful eating um, techniques. So <clears throat> I sort of, it's something I drip feed into clients because um, doing it all at once, it's, it can be quite a lot to change, right? So a lot of people were eating on the go, eating distracted. Um, I like to call them, um, you know, the movie Meet the Forkers. I call it like the fast talkers <laughs> for people that are like woofing their food down really fast and stuff like that. It's so unreal how many people I've worked with that don't eat undistracted, that race their food down, all that kind of stuff. Um, and just by saying, okay, we've been given dining tables for a reason. They were made for a reason. And yet I don't think a lot of people use them anymore. It's in front of the TV. We just live in a world of distraction. So trying to actually sit down, and it might not be at the dining table, but sit down outside, sit down somewhere, and eat without distraction. Like every, people say, oh, I just love food too much, but they're not actually taking the time to enjoy the food that they love so much. So eat without distraction, take your time. So we know that the signals between the brain and the hunger is, uh, sorry, the brain and stomach is about 15 to 20 minutes before they communicate with each other 
to let us know that we're full. And yet the majority of people are, are eating a meal in less than 10 minutes and wondering why they're racing back up for seconds and not yet feeling satisfied. So by put your knife and fork down, or if you're having a sandwich, put it down, actually chew your food and then take the time has made a massive, massive difference for a lot of my clients. And they get to a point where they don't need to finish their plate all of a sudden, the ones that have always finished their plate. So with the picking, like you asked, if we incorporate that they have to have that undistracted, then if they're going to grab that thing off their kid's plate or that delicious whatever it is that they feel like, go and have it, but sit down and have it undistracted. Yeah. Or will you actually do that if you have to do that? Or how much of that will you actually have if you have to take time out to go and actually sit down and eat it? Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's just a huge thing. And, you know, that slowing down is just so good for digestion. The amount of people that will say to me they can't believe how they've lost that bloated feeling just by actually chewing their food and taking their time. Yeah, yeah, no, I absolutely love that. I've just had, uh, Liv has said, that's interesting, I only meal plan for Monday to Friday and never plan for Saturday and Sunday, which doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, yeah, it's so I common. I someone recently, my trick is, is that I do my groceries on a Thursday. So then I think of Thursday to Wednesday. Yeah. And even, I, I think of, you know, like if I have things on socially in the weekend, then obviously I won't plan a meal for the Saturday night or whatever. But then, I don't know, just mentally, it kind of sets you up a lot better. Whereas I see a lot of people, yeah, they go in and do their groceries and think, right, I've done it this week. I'm going to be really good this week. And they'll plan it all out till Thursday or Friday only. And then that cycle continues. So it can be a trick to do your shopping on a Thursday or online shopping on a Thursday so that it arrives and you're yeah. set stuff's in your house to, to do. Yeah. And also, I love that because um, something that I used to do that I've actually not done for a while is I used to plan all my food with uh, Friday being day one of my week. So it'd be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, and that would be my seven day week. And actually going in with that mindset, you're a lot more aware of what's going to happen on the weekend rather than, you know, if you write Monday to Sunday as your meal plan, Saturday and Sunday, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Sorry about just that yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. And um, we go back to not doing it too strict, you know, like I, I don't sort of go, Monday's going to be this, Tuesday's this. I'm just kind of like, dinners we're going to have, lunches I'm going to have, you know, or breakfasts or whatever. And then that way on the day, I can choose what it is you actually feel like. Because sometimes yeah. you don't know what you're going to feel like. But if you've got these meals that you think, yeah, those will be our dinners and those will be our lunches and stuff. And then you can pick and choose but it's there you know yeah I love that that's something that I actually tend to do because I always will plan our dinners and then I don't ever plan my breakfasts and lunches because I always know my protein source pretty much with breakfast is either going to be whey or eggs for lunches it's going to be like I, I eat more fish at lunch so I eat tuna or prawns or I might have cottage cheese and then with my carbohydrates I 
I will cycle on the day. So one day I might have, you know, microwave rice. The other day I might have a jacket potato. The other day I might have some bread. So it's kind of like building, if anyone's listening to this, when you're thinking about your meals, when you actually learn about which macronutrient, you know, you're going to have, pick the ones that you enjoy. So if you're somebody who likes chicken and, you know, meat, you might go down that avenue. If you're more veggie, you might go down, you know, pescatarian avenue or whatever. And then you can actually go, well, I don't fancy a chicken sandwich today. I fancy a prawn. Fine. And, you know, you've switched your protein. Yes. So yeah, I think exactly. a, lot of people, a lot of people understanding that they can have flexibility in their meals is really important as well because it does get boring sometimes, you know, eating the yeah. same thing. Sometimes, sometimes you do. Like, I'll, I'll go through phases where breakfast will be the same and it could be the same for a month, you know, but it's because I enjoy it. It's not because yeah. I'm strict about it. And then I'll go off that and I'll change to something else. And then the next month later, I've gone back to that one. Or, you know, like it's it's just about, yeah, having what you enjoy, but also trying to make it tick the boxes as much as you can. Yeah, absolutely. Just going back to the mindful meals, actually. Um, so for anyone listening to this, do try it because it will be the hardest thing you do in your life because all you will want to do is pick up your phone so make sure when you do it you put your phone outside the room you'll be looking for things to distract yourself constantly you know you might want to put some music sometimes i'll put like the radio on in the background just so i've got something to listen to so you're not in complete silence but having a mindful meal is actually really quite tough and it really really does force you to think about what is on your plate and there have been countless times the weather's quite nice here on and off at the moment where i've gone outside to sit and eat my meal, my lunchtime or my breakfast, and I can't finish it because I've I've really yeah. forced myself to be present with the meal and slow down and taste things. And it's amazing just what distraction can do. Yeah, and how much more you enjoy it. Like, yeah, you really actually enjoy it. It's yeah, it is it is really hard, but um, it's a really good practice. And I feel uh, as a parent, it's a really good practice to teach our kids. Um, and it's something you can do without picking on them about, I will never, never say to my kids about, you can't have this, you can't have that. Um, but the only thing I'll ever pull them up on is slow down a bit while you're eating, you'll slow down, you're woofing that down. And that's the only thing. And I'll, it'll be more about manners, you know, but it has a, another benefit to it as well for them for long term that they have those good habits. Yeah. Um, one thing I know that would probably come up if I was coaching a new client <clears throat> with this approach is cravings. How do you deal with clients that <clears throat> crave certain things? It might be time of the month, it might not be, but just <laughs> let's say throughout the day somebody's constantly craving chocolate or constantly craving, I don't know, crisps or something. How would you approach cravings, do you think? Um, so I'll encourage, like I'll encourage my clients to um, incorporate that sort of stuff into their days. Like if they're a chocolate person, I'll encourage them to have it. Um, I quite like for something like that is like say at lunchtime, have it as part of your lunch. Don't have it in isolation. But try not to have it in isolation. So if you're having whatever you're having for lunch, finish your lunch with that chocolate or with the have crisps or whatever it is because you're already full from having your meal you're still getting this um the satisfaction of what you feel like you know on your palate 
um, but you'll tend not to overeat it. So you kind of just finish it instead of having that at, say, three in the afternoon. But if someone gets that craving at a different time of the day, um, what I'll usually say is use the um, surf the urge, um, surf the wave thing that we do. So we know that a craving will come up, peak, and disappear after about 20 to 30 minutes. So acknowledge it that they've got it. Maybe think about uh, what are they feeling? Like, is it because they're bored or those tired or stressed things? Is that what's brought that craving on? And then I often will say, get active for maybe 10 minutes. So whether that's going for a quick walk or doing something around the house, emptying the dishwasher, folding the washing, just go and get busy. If after that time, that craving is still there, have it. Yeah. But if it's disappeared, it's disappeared. Um, but I often find that if you actually start to introduce that stuff by, like I say, having it with part of your meal, finishing it, not in isolation, that will sort of, because you're having it regularly and you're not cutting it out, you're not saying you can't have it, then you don't tend to crave it as much as what you used to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I completely agree. That's what I do. And I think it also comes from a place of <clears throat> some people will, you know, crave certain foods and those foods become trigger foods because they know mm. that once they start eating, they can't stop. But when you eat a meal before it, you put yourself in what I call like a safe zone. You're safe. You're full. So, yes, mm. you could overeat, yeah. but you're going to overeat to a point of discomfort. And actually, for most people, when they enter, you know, eating something, when they are full, they feel quite safe. They don't overeat because they've got the taste mm. and they're done. You know, they've got that's the, right. the, the they've fixed the itch. Got the that's fix. what I think. Yeah. yeah, got the fix. And yeah, that's right. Exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, I, and even if you are, you're doing that, you've surfed the urge and you, you feel that craving, like I say, have it, but go and have it mindfully. And enjoy it until it becomes unenjoyable you know how that you know that looks like that first slice of pizza tastes amazing by the time you get to the fifth one it doesn't taste as good as the first one so start yeah. to acknowledge start to again it's it's going back to being more internal with yourself than letting the externals dictate what you're doing with food yeah and this you know this is why i love this approach so much because you know, calorie tracking is really fashionable at the moment and essentially calorie tracking, it's not a quick fix. I've just lost your sound. I can't hear you. Can you hear oh, me yeah, now? I can't hear you now, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't hear you. <laughs> um, what I was saying, <laughs> what I was saying was, swinging it's not good um with calorie tracking a lot of the time it is a quick fix for people because it doesn't actually make them sit with i don't want to say the issues but the things they are trying to work through you know you can easily calorie track and include things in your meals but actually when you come away from that you then have no idea what to do you know and that's that that's when that leads to picking on things and not having the tools and the skills to actually carry you forward so 
I just think everything that we've said today is, is absolute gold. And for anyone listening to this, like go back, rewatch it, re-listen to it and write things down. Um, because essentially these are the tools and the skills that you will need to learn if you, you know, want to lose fat and keep it off for the rest of your life. Because this is what people, you know, this approach is what people do who don't really have an issue with weight gain and an issue with, you know, the food essentially. They're, some people are just born like this and they have mm. these internal cues. And I find with a lot of people who I would call normal <laughs> and they, you know, they've never, they've never dieted in their life. So they've mm. always, always listened to internal cues. Whereas I don't know about you, I'm sure you're probably similar to me. You're in the fitness industry. So I'm sure you've got a dieting history somewhere. When you've dieted continuously for a long period of time, on it, off it, on it, off it, you mess around with these internal cues and you have to relearn them. You absolutely do. Um, I don't know what your yeah, thoughts think, on that. Yeah, like the way I often look at it is <clears throat> so much, you know, we, we say it's nutrition and, and exercise and stuff, but the really big pillar of it all is behaviour and behaviour change. And if we... <clears throat> look at it and think it's actually been our behaviors that have got us into a place of needing to perhaps start in the first place. So we need to start there, really. If we, you know, we, we need to learn and we need, like you say, we need to learn them at some stage. So why not do it along the way instead of thinking, oh, well, I'll get this quick result and then I'll deal with that then. It's going to be way harder by then. So by doing it alongside the tracking or the not tracking or whatever method you're going to use doing it with it is going to make it so much easier long term and and hopefully get you to a point where you you will never have to start again that's the goal isn't it to never have to actually be in a place where you have to start again yeah yeah um i had a question the other day thrown at me actually and i was a bit like oh this would be interesting to talk about um where she was saying you know she just started what i call the balanced food approach and and not tracking calories. And she was like, how long will I have to do this? Is this something that I need to do for the rest of my life, you know? And she's, she's with me for fat loss. And I gave her my sort of insight into it. But what would you say to somebody who says, you know, how long have I got to do this approach for? What, was your, what would your thoughts be on that? Well, as in practicing or? or... Do, yeah, just, I mean, she's obviously, she's, you know, practicing at the moment how to eat a balanced plate of food how to you know have three uh filling meals a day and, and, and a couple of snacks i think because her you know when you first start something you're like you're mm. so not overwhelmed what's the word so you're so preoccupied about thinking about it all the time i think it's very hard to visualize yourself doing it without those thoughts you know yeah yeah how long's a piece of string eh? like <laughs> <laughs> it depends. Every person's different. I've had some clients that just pick it up and become really good with mindful eating really quickly and it feels really natural to them. Others struggle, but it, like anything, it, it comes down to that practice and consistency of putting it into place. And you'll get to a point where you just start to realize that that's what you do. And it's not to say, like I say about the eating undistracted, and um, I'm not saying that I don't eat in front of the TV sometimes. Absolutely. But the skills I've learned with the slowing down and that means that that is natural. That has become natural for me to eat at that pace that I don't need to be sitting 
thinking about that. I eat a lot of my meals undistracted just because I I enjoy it like that now. Um, but it's it's just time, and it will. The more you do it, the easier and easier and easier it will get. But it's just that putting it into into practice. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one thing I said back to her, I said, the reason why you've asked that question is because you've always dieted and there's always been a start point and end point. And I yes. said, this, this isn't a diet. This is teaching you how to nourish and fuel your body. So actually, yes. you work really efficiently and effectively every day. Like you, you don't get to the point where you're leaving yourself ravenous and hungry because you know how to prevent that from happening and that then stops the picking and that stops the boredom eating and that so actually all the work that you're doing even though it's you know quite heavily on your mind right now which anything would be when you first start something (laughs) i said to her it's not like a diet where you know you're going to stop this in eight weeks time this is something you'll continue for the rest of your life but it won't feel the same way you're not going to feel this you know heavy thoughts on your mind is this enough you know what's protein this is all just a learning phase and i'd probably say the four the first four six maybe even eight weeks you're still heavily having to think about things a lot and even to this day you know i still think have I got enough fruit and veg on that, you know? But yeah. it's more with curiosity and um, the fact that I want to look after my body in a really healthy way versus thinking I'm on a diet and this is a diet structure, you know? That's right. Yeah, like your, the, your diet itself, the way you eat, should not have an endpoint on what you're doing because that is what you're going to have to do for the rest to maintain, right? What you're doing to get the result is what you need to do to maintain it. Now, the balance of that will change. So the result you're after, sure, there might be an end point to that goal of what you're dropping the body fat, etc. But the diet, the way you're eating still will continue past that. It just might change the balance a little bit because you're maintaining then you're not trying to actively lose body fat. Yeah. And I had um, I had a really good example of this actually yesterday because it was Saturday and um, we had we had um, my partner's mother over to stay with us and we I had some breakfast in the morning had like a really delicious bowl of porridge and some protein and stuff and then we went out for lunch but we ended up eating cake and I was like okay I know that's not going to fill me up for that long so it came to the afternoon and I chose something protein and you know veggie based and whatever to to have as a small snack and then we had a really flexible dinner so we had you know some pizza some salad and that kind of thing then it came to the evening and everyone we all had chocolate and I sat with this chocolate and I thought well I've already had some cake today and right now my goal is not weight loss you know I'm I'm absolutely not but my goals and my values are to lead a healthy lifestyle, to support my body, you know, through pregnancy, through the rest of my life, and actually, you know, to maintain a healthy body weight as well. And I sat with this chocolate, and I had a full chocolate bar, and I had three squares, and I sat and really mindfully ate it in front of a film, and I put it down, and I thought, I don't want any more. Not because I've had cake in the day, and I feel guilty about it. I've just had a sweet taste, and that was enough. Whereas me many many years ago would have gone well i've had cake for lunch i've had pizza for dinner fuck it i'll just eat all the chocolate so the skills that you learn doing this approach you know not tracking calories actually gives you the tools to have the confidence to be like 
well, I can actually give or take chocolate. You know, I can actually give or take pizza. I yeah, don't right. need to demolish it all. Yeah, and you, you learn to have it in your cupboard and not have to eat it all the time or whatever. And and the thing is, is you can have some tomorrow if you want it. If you want it to finish your chocolate bar tomorrow, you can. It's not going anywhere. It doesn't have to be eaten so it's not in the house. You know, you don't want to have that mindset where you feel like you you want to get to a point where you don't have to be fearful of having certain things in the house that you think you have no control over or you're going to demolish. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, let's round it up. So can you give the listeners three final tips from you that you would teach or educate or encourage a client to do if they were thinking about fat loss without calorie tracking? You may have already mentioned them. What are your three golden Michelle tips? Okay, so they're all going to take you back to internal. So if you were just starting without wanting to change anything with how you're eating right now, then I would just use the mindful eating, just without changing a thing. Start eating undistracted. Start taking your time to chew your food and swallow it and enjoy it. And check in with yourself on your hunger and ask yourself, am I physically hungry or is this head hunger? And just start with those three simple things that you could do tomorrow or your today for you guys. Um, you could do that right now without even worrying about what you're, what you're eating or what you've got in your cupboard. Just start, start with that. Yeah. Amazing. I love it. And I would probably say, start thinking about eating three meals a day and make those meals really filling and ensure that you've got a palm of protein, I say a cup of carbohydrates, yeah. two fists of veggies and fruits, and maybe like a thumb of fats. And I know me and Michelle have both got sort of uh, displays of what that looks like on our Instagram feed, so you can go and check those out. But making sure that those meals are really balanced and filling and thinking about how you're nourishing your body. So instead of just thinking, I'll just put food on my plate really quickly, asking yourself, does this look like a nourishing, delicious plate of food, you know, versus I'm on a diet, I need to have as little as possible. Actually, no, we can have loads of food on our plate and really fill ourselves up and nourish our bodies. So it yeah. makes that process a lot more enjoyable and, you know, long-lasting lifestyle balanced approach to life yeah so, and, and uh, how, how does it make me feel how does this yes. food make me feel that i've just eaten you know do i feel energized and do i feel sluggish and blah you know like that's that's a good thing to ask as well absolutely absolutely well it has been lovely having you on thank you so so much i'm going to um convert this audio into a podcast as well so the listener can listen to a podcast and i'll send you the link um yeah. but yeah thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure no that's been awesome angie and thanks for inviting me on i'm pleased we got the timing right and yes <laughs> yes finally and for anyone listening to this um i've tagged michelle in the post so go give her a follow and if, if you've got any questions to ask her after this live or after this podcast please go ahead i'm sure she will uh, answer any questions that you might have absolutely now you enjoy your sunday <laughs> and you uh, get some rest sleep well thanks <laughs> bye. Bye. See ya. bye bye